Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Kids go to school and they bring it all home and, and they pass it around freely without any you know, hesitation. They're very generous that way. And I'm struggling this morning. I've been sucking on uh, fishermen's friends. And they've been fairly friendly, but not altogether efficacious. So I'm struggling a little bit with my throat this morning. I hope you'll put up with it. When I was a young teenager, I lived with my sister and her husband for several years. My mom was a full-blown alcoholic, and uh, she hit the wall, and I had nowhere else to go except to live with my newly married sister and her husband. My brother-in-law drove race cars on the weekends at Edmonton Speedway, and he ordered a brand-new 1967 blue Camaro with a white pinstripe, 350 four-barrel carb. I mean, that thing would move out. I got to take my driver's test in that car. So I thought that he was a pretty cool guy, you know, very, very cool guy, wore faded jeans and cowboy boots and drove this 350 Camaro like there was no tomorrow. We smoked so many people at red lights in Edmonton, it isn't even funny. So I thought Rick was a very cool guy. I guess you could say he was, a, he was one of my heroes. Until the day that he teased me about having a big nose. And that day changed everything for me. That one comment did more to produce insecurity in my life than anything else I can remember. And from that day on, I struggled with being insecure. Sticks and stones may break my bones and words will crush your spirit. Several years ago, a professor by the name of Jeremy Pierre wrote an article that he titled The Sin of Insecurity. Now, I'd, I'd never thought of insecurity as a sin, have you? But, but the, the professor makes a compelling case. And in his article, he talks about another guy by the name of Jonathan Fader, who's a sports psychologist. And Fader, in the article, discusses the advantages and disadvantages of what we now call participation trophies. You know, some people think that every kid on every team ought to get a trophy for everything that they do or don't do, uh, because every kid is a champion, and because every kid is special, and because every kid is a winner. And we're going to give you a trophy at the end of the season just to prove it. We don't want anybody on the team to feel insecure. Some people think that only winners ought to get trophies, right? So they they talk about another sports writer in the same article, and he says, winning a trophy used to mean that you outperformed everybody else. You touched the wall first, or jumped the highest, or ran the fastest, or scored the most goals. That took work. When our kids get trophies for picking dandelions on the soccer field and not winning a single game, (laughs) we're teaching them an entirely different thing by giving them trophies. He says, what happens later on when our kids don't get into the university they want? Or when they don't get the job they want? Or when the man or woman they want breaks up with them? Nobody gets a trophy then. So he makes a good point. 
I'm simply pointing out this morning that in our culture, insecurity has become almost the worst thing that could happen to anybody. I mean, you, you do, do everything you can to prevent anybody and everybody from feeling insecure at any time. Whatever else happens, we just don't want you to feel insecure. We don't want anybody to be insecure. We don't want your kids to be insecure. We don't want your, your grandkids to be insecure. Why is that? How did we get here? Well, the so-called experts disapprove of our insecurity because it's an offense to the worthiness of the individual in our culture. Insecurity is an insult to individuality, and that's something that our culture highly values. Independence and individuality have almost become idols in our culture. On the other hand, God the Father disapproves of our insecurity because it's an affront, it's an offense to the worthiness of His Son. And that's what can make insecurity sinful for a follower of Jesus. Now just hang on to that thought for a second. Let's park that at the front door. I'm going to come around the side of the house and in the back door to make my point. But let's not lose where we are. According to the Bible, insecurity is what the Apostle Paul calls confidence in the flesh. This is what he says in Philippians 3.3. He says, for we are the circumcision. We've been circumcised in our hearts. Not physical circumcision, but spiritual circumcision. And we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Why is that? Well, because confidence in the flesh stands in direct opposition to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And when you put confidence in the flesh, it actually produces or nurtures insecurity. In the Apostle Paul's Jewish background, in his religious milieu as a, as a Jew, as a, as a zealous Jew, before he put his trust in Jesus Christ, he possessed all of the prized features that would commend him to God as far as the Jews were concerned. And this is what he writes in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, familiar passage to many of you. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day, which was important to every Jew, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin no less, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, Paul said, I was blameless. So this guy had all the right stuff according to his Jewish religious culture. He had all the right, he had the perfect pedigree of anybody, and, and yet and he puts all of his confidence in the flesh. He puts all of his confidence in these attributes or these accomplishments. And believe it or not, putting confidence in your successes and your achievements and your accomplishments actually leads to more insecurity, not less. I mean, some of the most accomplished and most successful and wealthiest people I've known in my lifetime are also some of the most insecure. And insecurity can be, can be sinful for followers of Jesus for a number of reasons. The first of which is distraction with self. Paul says in Philippians 2.3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. But if you're distracted with yourself, you see, it's very hard to, 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 to put others before yourself. You're all about you. You're not about them. You're about you. Distracted with self. Insecurity actually gums up our ability to do what God has called us to do, to be what God has called us to be. Insecurity prevents us from serving one another in love because we're all wrapped up in ourselves. Me, myself, and I, my three best friends. If you're all caught up in, in who you are and, and distracted with yourself and how you look and how you feel and how others perceive you and what others think of you, then you're distracted and your effectiveness for the kingdom of God is diminished. Doesn't evaporate completely, perhaps, but it certainly is diminished. Whitney Houston was one of the most successful female recording artists of all times. And yet she struggled incessantly with anxiety and fear and insecurity. Someone who know, knew her very well said, Whitney Houston was scared. She wasn't sure if, if she was good enough. She wasn't sure if she was pretty enough. There were a thousand things to her that seemed wrong with her. Despite her success and her fame, she still wondered, am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Will they like me? So you see, insecurity leads to distraction with self and you become preoccupied with yourself and that could certainly be sinful and a sin against God. Insecurity leads to distraction with self. It also leads to dissatisfaction with God. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 8, when the people of Israel were grumbling about that, that fresh bread that they got every morning, <laughs> they were grumbling about the food supply in the wilderness, Moses says to the people in Exodus 16, 8, you're not grumbling against us. You're not grumbling against the leadership of Israel. You're not grumbling against the elders of Israel. You're grumbling against God. Insecurity is often nothing, nothing more than grumbling for better manna. You know, we, we get sick of adequate nourishment. We want extraordinary flavor. We don't want just... We're, we're, we're sick and tired with the ordinary hand that God has dealt us. You know, sure, he's given us food and, and, and shelter and, and a nice church and a, a nice car and a little bit of money in the bank, but it's not enough. We want more. We want something more. We want something bigger. We want something better. And we start to grumble. We don't like the hand that God has dealt us. And so in declaring our discontent, we are declaring our discontent with God. Right? I mean, if you take it up the chain... God is sovereign over all things. He's given us what He's given us. We don't like what He's given us. So who are we complaining about? God Himself. Dissatisfied with God. Who? Never thought of it like that before. Our displeasure with who we are and what we have and how we look. and Our displeasure with that is often a statement of dissatisfaction with God Himself. So let's think about that carefully. Insecurity can be a sin against God because it's an insult to His wisdom and His glory and His provision for our lives. Let's be careful. 
Furthermore, insecurity can be sinful because it often reveals that we long for validation from people more than we long for justification from God. I see some eyebrows going up. (laughs) Is this striking a chord with you? It certainly is with me, and I've had a, a very insecure week, I'll tell you that. It's just been a really tough week, and, and, and God's been speaking to me about this very thing. Does your validation come from other people? And here I'm looking at verses like Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. How much more do we need? <laughs> if we have peace with God, don't we have, don't we have it all? <laughs> what, why do I need validation from other people? If God says, boom, you're okay, peace, justified, here you go. According to your faith, be it given to you. And Psalm 62, verse 1, God, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. So my salvation, my justification, my, my validation, my worth, it comes from God alone, not from anybody else. It comes from him. Some of you will recognize the name Sheila Walsh. She's the former co-host of the Christian television program 700 Club. Several years ago, her life absolutely crashed and crashed hard. She writes, one morning I was, I was sitting on national television with my nice suit and my fancy hairdo, and that night I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital, and it was the kindest thing that God could do to me. The next morning, the psychiatrist asked her a question. He said, who are you? She said, well, I, I'm Sheila Walsh. He said, no, I, I meant, who are you? She said, well, I'm the, I'm the co-host of the 700 Club. He said, no, that's not what I was asking. Who are you? She said, well, I, I, I'm an author, and I, I'm a singer. He said, that, that's good, but that's not what I'm asking. Who are you? You, she said, I have no idea. He said, that's right, and that's why you're here. She went on to say, the the greatest thing that I discovered is that I, I measure myself by what other people thought of me, and that was slowly killing me. She said, before I entered the hospital, some of the 700 club staff said to me, don't do it. You will never regain any platform. If people know that you've spent time in a, in, a, in a psychiatric ward and you had to take medication, then it's over. She said, you know what? It's over anyway. This is a sham. See, friends, if, if you depend on others for your sense of well-being for validation of who you are and what you have to contribute in life, then you're going to be really disappointed because people disappoint us all the time. If your personal worth is measured by by the friends you have or the number of of likes that you get on, on Facebook or Instagram, you're going to be wounded deeply. In this crazy age in which we live, I hear of teenagers committing suicide because their friend gets more likes on Instagram than they do. 
what has, what has this come to? If your happiness comes from others instead of from God, you will be frustrated. We're more concerned about what other people think than what God thinks. What a dangerous way to live. And that's what makes insecurity sinful. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Let that be enough. Let your validation come from Him. God alone. From God alone comes our salvation. From God alone comes our approval, our validation. We're looking in all the wrong places. We need to look to Him and Him alone. I think insecurity could also be sinful for followers of Jesus because it leads to justification by works. See, when we're insecure, we work harder at pleasing people. When we're insecure, we work harder at pleasing God. Insecurity may compel us to, to try and get right with God by, by doing more, by signing up for more programs, by, 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 get, by getting busy. Well, if I do this, then God will be happy. If I do that, then God... But this is how the Apostle Paul viewed his success, his doing, his justification from works. He says in Philippians 3 verse 7, Whatever gain I had, and he had a lot. Remember we just read all of his attributes? You know, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he's a, from the tribe of Benjamin, etc., etc. Whatever gain I had, he said, I, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Powerful words. We can't be justified by our works. And anything we, anything we do accomplish, any, any success we have, Paul says, we ought to count as loss just for the surpassing value of knowing Christ. In comparison... Our good works, the things that we accomplish, are nothing compared to the surpassing value, worth of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior. The comedian Carol Burnett says that when she was a little girl, she used to joke around and, and clown around a lot just to get over the fear of, of, of not being liked. She was poor and she wasn't very pretty, she said. So she worked very, very hard at being funny. And the life of the party. And as you know, Carol Burnett became one of the best comedians on television. But you can't get right with God, and you can't stay right with God by working harder. It just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't work that way. Finding confidence in the trappings of success or the fleeting advantages of physical beauty can be actually a direct rival to the worth of Jesus Christ and finding confidence in Him. Works against us. That's why he said, whatever gain I have, I count as loss. That stuff doesn't, doesn't help me gain a, a standing with God. What I do, what I succeed at, what I achieve in my working life or even my spiritual life and serving doesn't, doesn't make my relationship with God. It's a matter of faith and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation and for my abundant life. 
And so the, if the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul was going to give us a, a parting message today, it would not be, you're a champion. You're a winner. You're so special. And we're going to give you a trophy at the end of the morning just to prove it. That, no, no, that's not what, what he would say. Paul's parting message would be that you're special to God because you have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're special because you have, been, you have been saved by the grace of God. You're special because you are God's own possession. And even before the foundation of the world, He chose you in Christ to be His child. That's why you're special. That's why you're a winner. That's why you're a champion. And the crowning proof of this awaits you at the finish line. Let's have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Don't have to turn there if you don't want. It's going to be on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, I, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Man, how many of us would love to have that verse on our tombstone at the end? I would. Henceforth, he says, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Oh, you, don't, you don't need a participation trophy, friends. You're going to get a crown of righteousness. And that's better by far. You're special to God because... You are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ, and Christ is in you, and that kind of security lasts forever and ever and ever. And so we come again this morning, dragging our insecurities behind us, and we come again to the foot of the cross and lay all of our insecurity there. I mean, before I read that article by Jeremy Pierre, I didn't think of insecurity as a sin. But he makes a pretty compelling case, doesn't he? So let's grab whatever insecurity might be there. You say, there's so much I can't carry it. <laughs> I know what you mean. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I say, you really do have a big nose. insecurities, right? The things that are said to us when we're young or when we're broken or when we're discouraged. We don't forget those things very easily. So this morning, why don't we just grab as many as we can. Are you with me? And let's carry them over and we'll lay them at the foot of the cross. Lord Jesus, here they are. I lay them at your feet. I don't know what else to do. There you go. And confess something that you, you may not previously to today, you may not have thought of your mounting insecurities as sin. And maybe they are and maybe they aren't. That's between you and the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. 
My confidence comes from Him. My trust is in the Lord. My confidence comes from Him. My trust is in the Lord. My confidence comes from Him. My trust is in the Lord. My confidence comes from Him. Let's say it together. My trust is in the Lord. My confidence comes from Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, because of Your great love for us in the gospel, we're learning what it means to trust You with all the all the stuff in our hearts, the, the longings, the fears, the hurts, the insecurities. We're learning to trust you with all that stuff. To acknowledge you in all of our ways is to recognize and rest in your sovereign grace and in the lordship of Jesus in our lives. So, in surrender to the occupied throne of grace... We now anticipate less insecurity in the days ahead. Why? Because, well, Lord, we've just laid all of our insecurities at your feet. For those of us dealing with job changes and financial stresses and health issues, Lord, please show yourself to be both merciful and mighty. May your mercy keep us gentle. And may your love overpower all of our insecurities. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the highest name of all. Amen.